Well, you all sound good. It's good to hear you sing again. It is, isn't it? It's good to have some of our worship that we've been holding off on come back to us. and It feels a lot more normal now, doesn't it? So we finally made it. And again, as a pastor, I want to thank you for all the hard times we've been through that you have done everything we've asked you. And uh, I, just, I just thank you again for this. And uh, this moment is even sweeter because of that. And, uh, and we're together here today. And I thank you for that. As we uh, do continue, I mentioned uh, last week, if you happen to watch the video, that uh, we'll be spending the next few weeks talking a little bit about the denomination, what's going on, and just spending a few minutes in the service talking about uh, the dynamics of what is going on uh, at our current time. Uh, I did mention that basically last week, if you weren't here, we were talking about how the Methodist Church for a long time has been pulling at its seams, going in different directions. And basically, at this point, there's basically three camps, if you will, and three maybe possible even churches that may come if a church split ever happens. And so uh, last week we talked kind of just a general overview. And this week I wanted to take, uh, in the next couple of weeks, take just one of those camps and just talk a little bit about them, explain sort of their line of thinking, who they are, just so that you're informed. Again, uh, last week when we mentioned this, uh, you are not being asked to make a decision now. You're not being asked to have a church vote or lobby anything or do anything like that. We simply uh, wanted to let you know kind of the, from your pastor, what's going on? Because of course, as COVID ends, this is gonna start heating up again. You're gonna start reading about it, hearing about it. And it's really important to hear just the different sides to know them in the best light possible, uh, and even offer some critiques as we go along to the different groups that are involved. Uh, the group I wanted to share with today is basically the church that will be the United Methodist Church after a split. And so if you didn't know this, there has actually been an agreement that's been made with a professional mitigator and stuff like that called uh, the protocol for separation, uh, and, and that's the short term for it. It's actually got a much longer name, but uh, it's, it's called basically the protocol for separation. And basically it's the idea is how can we separate in the church with all the different ways we've been entwined together uh, and do it as amicably as possible with every church being able to make their decision, every pastor being able to make their decision, and to just bless all three groups that would split off and go and do the best they could in blessing each other and to do it as well as we could. Um, in that, there would be one branch that would continue to be the United Methodist Church. So you can imagine there'd be, if you would, three churches that could possibly split off if that protocol was to pass. And the three churches, uh, again, um, would be different, but the United Methodist Church would still exist. Uh, and basically, the idea of this group is, is kind of a lot of what you would hear in the domination if you've been to any meetings and things like that. The point of view from them is, uh, this idea is that we're all better together. And, and kind of the thought that the church is for everyone, the gospel is for everyone, we want everybody to be part of it, and even to the point of theological differences, and pretty substantial theological differences are okay even, and that we can hold these things in common, uh, or even differentiated, but still be together and hold in common. Uh, of course, the problem with that that has developed over time is that when people have such different views of even what the mission of the church is, or what the nature of the church is, or what the church is supposed to be, that has different expressions of faith, right? And so Methodism, if you go out to the, towards the West, could look very different than if you go to the Southeast, which could even look even different in other parts of the country or even the world. And some big critical things can even be at stake as far as things even as powerful as, is Jesus Christ divine? Is God, is there the Trinity exist or not? And do other religions, are they basically just the same God repackaged and offered to, and so it's, you know, everything is okay? These are really deep-seated thoughts and deep, and, you know, deep theological understandings that would really affect the church and how they would do uh, ministry. The thing about this is that the ultimate 
the ultimate deal with what's going on here is really, when you fundamentally get down to it, is an argument about what is this book? And that's really, if you just, if you peel back all the layers of what is going on and all the ways it comes to fruition, the, the biggest truth about this is, what is this book? And the truth is, is that Methodists in different places of the world and even in the United States alone understand this book very differently. Um, you've often, we often kind of hide behind our language so we all go, oh, it's the word of God. And the question is, what does the word of God mean, right? As far as what do you mean when you say that? There's a group, for instance, the, the scale, I'll give you kind of three, three places, of the, there's a long spectrum, if you would. You know, the one that's been the tried old tradition is the idea that this is the, you know, word of God in the sense that it is inspired by God. So God didn't literally write down what words were, but that the people worked through people and that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They wrote down their experiences that were going on in their relationship with God. And God spoke through them and that these words are more than just words, more than just a book. And that those words continue now when we read them, we encounter even God through that. And that this has become the rule and authority of our faith. And therefore, uh, not only that, but all of it is authoritative in the sense of how that is. And so that line of thinking leads you down certain paths, right? Another line of thinking would be, well, this is the word of God, but it's, it's not necessarily inspired in the sense that we just talked about. It's inspired in the sense that people wrote it. And most of the time, they were having experiences with God that were very powerful and very meaningful, and those were hopefully inspired as they wrote this. But not all of it is. And so there's also reflected in here human tendencies and human biases, human uh, frailty, and even human anger, loss, hurt, but to the degree of being wrong and the degree of being something that is something we need to leave behind. And so in this camp, if you would, you kind of end up placing scripture as you read it. You have to kind of place it in what Adam Hamilton, who's one of the main proponents of this middle way is, is you have to place it in buckets. And so you have to say, is this inspired by God and to be true for all time? Is this like a universal truth in any culture, any place, any time? Or when you read it, is it only true specifically for that time, but really doesn't have much truth for us today? Or even was it never inspired at all and really reflects the biases, the prejudices, the, the hate-filled of human hearts occasionally as people wrote it that we need to totally, utterly reject and leave behind as well. Now, of course, you can see how those two are different. Of course, there's even the other end of the spectrum that does actually exist in Methodism too, where this book is a horrible book. This book, really, we want to pick and choose some good things out of it, but really it just represents all the horribleness of human nature in the sense of it is laced and, and filled, not with necessarily the inspiration of God, but laced and filled with human prejudice, human bigotry, human hate. And in all the ways that we see that in there, we need to leave it behind. And really, we've moved on from this book. It was great for those that were written it. It was maybe even profound for those that were in those times. But for us today, we have moved past a human understanding, a human knowledge of this book. And really, it's a nice antique that we put in a museum. But we need to talk and make our moral choices based on you know, other things in our life and other rules of our life. And so you can see if the church has people in it that believe those three things, the expressions of faith get very different, don't they? And in fact, this has been going on, it's been really something that's been going on for hundreds of years, I would argue, but uh, it's to the point now where it's pulled in such different directions that in one side, church has, one side of the church is saying, we will move no more, this is where we stand, this is what we believe. We will not move anymore. Another side of the church is saying, if you don't move, we are going to cause havoc and things need to change and, and stuff like that. And so we're forcing you to move. We're going to do everything we can to force you to move. The other side saying, we will not move at all. And then there's the people in the middle that say, 
but we'll move on some things, not others, but let's try to keep everybody together. And of course, that's a hard thing to do, right? And eventually decisions have to be made, right? And so a lot of the ways that we would read scripture have to be interpreted and actually applied into church and into doctrine and into practice. And so there are many different things that people would disagree on, but ultimately the church would have a stance on that. And so then, of course, every time there's a general conference where the ability to change the official church's stance on things happens, there's basically an all-out war that goes on between all these groups trying to make sure that what we want to have happen happens. In short, it's, it's, not, it's, it's hard to see it sustainable. And really, even part of the protocol why it was, it's such a big deal is because before now, the, the two edges of the camps have agreed that the church needed to split. And what we've seen in more, come more recent days is a lot more of the middle part of the church that wants everybody to stay together is finally coming to the point of saying, enough's enough. Like, let's just let people go in grace where they want to go to. Um, but there still is a long, strong pull to say, well, let's all stay together. And so there are many different plans that would be, let's all stay together. And so what they would call this a lot of times contextualism is what the name that's word. So basically the idea of in your context, what does the gospel look like? And so for every place in the world to even every local church, you have to, as a church, decide your own context, choose your own thing, but be part of a larger umbrella of the Methodist church. And the hard part with that, of course, is at some point in our church doctrine and discipline and even just hierarchy, you still have district superintendents, you still have bishops who may not feel the same as all their local churches. And so all these systems that you set up get very complicated very quickly. And so even the idea or what happens when a pastoral move happens and the church and the, and the pastor aren't aligned or, you know, it ends up getting very complicated very quickly to make it all work, even though on surface it would say, well, if everybody does their own thing, everybody can be happy, everybody can stay together. And of course, the hard part about that is, and more and more people are agreeing to this, is that maybe it's really not united in that sense. And maybe being one needs to be more than that would mean of us all doing our own thing but just kind of staying under the name of United Methodist Church, when practically we're really different churches. And so this is one of the groups, though. Uh, there are large proponents of it. The main proponents of it, I'd say, there would be the United Methodist Church. But the, if you want to hear more about them and they really hear their own words, their stances, and their takes, and how they would see the future of the church working underneath a big umbrella, kind of, if you will, but even different in local context, I want to point you to uh, UMC Next is really the best place to go to that, and one of some of the main leaders. You'll even notice some people from Ohio, some West Ohio conference people there uh, that you'll recognize very quickly uh, if you're familiar with people in the conference and pastors in the conference. And uh, they can point you to, to, uh, to hear a lot more about that take on what is going on. But again, largely the, the main issue is, is they would say diversity is great. Even to the degree of theological difference, we're better having it. Even to the point of everybody doing their own thing is good. We want that. And we want to continue to have that in a church that has space for everyone. So those are kind of the issues at stake. But of course, what happens a lot of times in that is the question of the people that have the power, where's their view on this? And what I would tell you is almost most of the time what happens is they fall into that middle camp of looking at scripture and saying parts of it are inspired. Parts of it inspired for all time. Parts of it were inspired for the time that it was written, but really doesn't play into our lives today. And they would even go on to say parts of it were never inspired at all and really reflect the human prejudice and human hatred that are part of our life and that we experience every day. 
So that's one camp. Uh, we'll be looking at two other camps in the next coming weeks and critiquing them as well. Uh, so if you want to know more about this, you'll hear more about this, and I'll point you also to where you want to go to find out more information for those camps. Again, you're not being asked to make anything, but I want you to know and hear it from your pastor and your pastor's take on it, just so that as the coming days come, uh, you know a little bit more about it, and as you read headlines, uh, you know kind of what's really being underneath at stake than maybe what some of the headlines would say uh, in our newspapers or even online. So we love you all. I know it's hard times. I know coming out of COVID, we just want to be like, enough, enough drama, <laughs> enough everything. But unfortunately, it's going to heat up whether we like it or not. Uh, and it's coming, and really it was set to, the church probably would have split during COVID if it hadn't been for COVID already. Uh, and so these days are coming. And as your pastor, I need to prepare you as best I can to have the information. For if there ever is a time that you do need to make a decision, that you'll be able to make it with the most information you have, uh, the best information that you have. So I love you all. Again, I know this is a hard subject. But God has called us to be faithful even in the times of hard times, even the times of disagreement, and still love each other through it all.